Hey there, Shopping Maniacs. You're listening to another episode of the Shop Talk Show. I'm Dave Top Hat and Monocle Rupert, and with me is Chris, pair of overalls, and a really nice red bandana coir. Hey, Chris, how are you doing? <laughs> Good. I've been uh, working in the mines, you know, just trying to get mine. Oh, that sounds wonderful. I've been drinking absinthe in my tower, um, <laughs> my colossal mansion. Yes. Um, it's been wonderful. That's too bad. I'm actually wondering if you could install bathrooms down in the, the mine somewhere. No, no. I have 17 up here. How could I possibly afford <laughs> another one? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not yeah. not funny. Well, well yeah, <laughs> yep. Uh, yep. Uh, hey, Chris, what's going on today? Well, we, we, have, we have a guest, and uh, uh, the, the, the topic of the day is going to be talking about unions, tech unions in specific, where we can, and we have a perfect person to talk with us about that. Ethan Marcotte, friend of the show. How you doing, Ethan? Chris, I'm good. I'm good. Good to see you. Uh, good to be here. Yeah, it's been a minute. Right. Yeah, you've you've become and you in your own words have become come a kind of an unlikely person to be to be talking about this and telling this story in a, in a way, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's a, a question I get a lot. It's like, aren't you the responsive design person? Why why tech unions? Why is this happening? But yeah, it's uh it does feel like a, a bit of a shift for me, but uh, I think it's a good one and, you know, one that makes sense, I hope. So, yeah. yeah pivot, pivot. Pivot for Ethan. Why not? Good. Why not, man? Um, yeah, why not? Uh Right, somebody's somebody's gonna do it, uh, and, and also that both Dave and I come from very. I've I've never even been a union member, um, and I I don't know what to say about that. All, all to say that I don't have like loads of hands-on experience to be talking about unions about, but we're gonna do it anyway because do your own research <laughs> or, whatever. <laughs> or, what, or whatever. But I've done, the research I have done is uh, I've read the book, of course. It's called You Deserve a Tech Union, published by a book apart for real this time. Um, I know we joke about that sometimes on this show, but this <laughs> was actually published by a book apart. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, 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 and I have a little bit of family experience. I don't know if you all knew this. My dad only, only ever had one job. He uh, graduated high school, started working for the school district in Madison, Wisconsin, um, which had a union. So he just became a part of it and then never left wow. <laughs> until he retired, That's but great. was union the, the entire time and liked it. And, and, you know, I would think, you know, I don't know, not to be weird about my dad, but I don't think of him as the most philosophical guy other than the, with this. For some reason, like, Union is really, he felt really strongly that it's like, he's like, I always thought, you know, if I'm going to get up and, you know, do work all day, that I should have a say in what I do and stuff. He could he always spoke about it um, philosophically almost in a way. And then ended his career as the president of the of Ask Me Local 60. No and he kidding. really took that seriously, you know, met the vice president and was doing, you know, he was a big, he was a big guy about it and 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 liked it, even with, you know, occasionally he'd be conflicted about it. No, I don't, I don't feel I don't want to open with some of that stuff. Um, not that not about the union, about but about some of the tasks occasionally. But anyway, uh, just shout out to my dad, big union guy, and he was very proud of that work, and I'm proud of him. So that's awesome. So, so, so you deserve a tech union is a hell of a title too, and I think you really mean that. Maybe we should start there, like, like I, you know, before we even define what it, you know, I guess you could help define what it is while you're doing that. Perhaps. Yeah, yeah, I can give it a shot. I mean, Chris, I can't think of a better opening for the show because, um, you know, one of the threads that I had and all of the like, I spent 
two years about talking to tech workers who had formed unions or were in the process of forming a union. And one of the things pretty much all of them said was they didn't have a direct connection to anybody in, in, a, in a union. They didn't grow up in union households. They had kind of like a vague sense that unions were good, but maybe not something that belonged in tech. Tech work is different. Yeah, the title itself is basically just a riff on this old labor saying that every worker deserves a union. And one of the things that I kind of wanted to do with the book was kind of like make this idea accessible to people that they can form unions, that this is something that does belong in the tech industry. And in fact, has been happening in the tech industry for a while. Um, you know, uh, that's and that's the thing that I think for me, at least, is really significant that for the last few years, people have been forming unions at companies like Kickstarter, at Glitch, at Nava. Um, you know, even Apple and Alphabet have you know a kind of union in them already. So this isn't like a a nice like theoretical exercise. There's a you know there's there's literally a labor movement in the tech industry right now, and I think that's that's cool and worth talking about. And I I guess I just wanted to like boost the concept and try to make it accessible to more folks. And in a way, it's no it's no different in its behavior and purpose than in any other industry, right? It's like we we should we should band together, people. Yeah, I think like one of the things that I heard from a lot of folks I spoke with is that getting tech workers to realize that they are workers is can be challenging because I think there's a there's a perception both inside and outside the industry that tech work is somehow different, right? Like on average, we tend to be pretty well compensated. Like our benefits are pretty good. We work indoors. I mean, that sounds like a simple thing, but that's that's a big shift from a lot of other industries. And, you know, what kind of protections do we need? Like, why do we need a union when we've got those things going for us? Because that's like my question. I mean, I'm, if I like come out of the show, it, my goal is to not come out of the show sounding like Joe Rogan or Ted Cruz. Cause I, I didn't grow up in like a union family. I didn't grow up in a, I mostly grown up in right to work States and stuff like that. And so it's interesting to me because it's like, I associate unions with like minors, right? Like, totally. or, or, or I think you use the, uh, loom workers, cotton workers. Um, uh, what are the textile workers? Um, textile workers. Yeah. yeah like, yeah. like, people's hands getting chopped off need a union for sure. Let's get, let's, let's, let's get some stuff established. Uh, and then I'm like, well, you know, I sit at a computer, but then you like, look at teachers. Well, teachers have to deal with high school kids. Yeah. Get a union in there. Like, uh, but like, you know, it is, it is interesting for tech. And do you think like, is it like our sense of exceptionalism? Right. Cause a lot of tech is built on meritocracy and you know, the, these sort of, pseudo foundations is that what why do you think tech just doesn't or didn't start with it and that's a great question um i think there's a bunch of things and i'm you know we probably need more than an hour to get into a, like a decent discussion about it but i do think that idea of a meritocracy is is pretty important like we tend to think that you know if we're well paid we're well compensated that we t- tend to think i've achieved this right like i've, I've gotten to a certain point like i've, I've passed a threshold and you know i've, I've won but um, it's harder sometimes to kind of take a broader look at like, you know, maybe I as a, you know, uh, you know, a, a fairly well-paid designer or engineer, I'm getting significantly better compensated than my colleagues in research or in trust and safety or even work in the front desk at my company. So there's a there's a broader system at play that doesn't necessarily benefit everybody. Um, but kind of across the board, though, I think especially after the last year, I think it's important to note, too, that there aren't a lot of guarantees in tech work. Um, 
Most of us work at will, which means we can be dismissed at any time for any reason. Um, the benefits that we receive after leaving a company are kind of determined by the company's leadership. Like there's these two examples I mentioned in, in the book. You know, I, I started writing the book right before Twitter's layoffs. So the, the tenor of the opening of the book changed immediately because that kicked off, you know, this, this horrible wave of layoffs that we're still kind of in the middle of um, a year later. And, you know, Twitter employees were treated horribly uh, leaving the company, just full stop. Um, shortly thereafter, Stripe did a round of layoffs and wrote this incredibly eloquent letter about how they were going to treat their employees right, listed out all the benefits they were going to have. And, and that's, you know, night and day between those two different scenarios about how to treat your workers at your company. But the common thread between those is like leadership kind of set the direction for how those folks are going to get treated. And a union is basically a response to that that basically says, okay, as workers, we're actually building this company, that we have power if we work together. And shouldn't we have a say in how we're treated if we have to leave the company or what our benefits are or you know, what our paths to promotion are? Um, because historically speaking, like our solution to a lot of those things was to leave, right, to get another job. And um, there's no necessarily guarantee that the next thing is going to be materially better than what you currently have. So... Mm. A union is, at the end of the day, I think it's a bunch of workers banding together to say that, hey, we have a better idea about how work could be structured, and we want to have a say in defining that. So that could be, that's one thing that a union can do. That It's a fun list to build, but that's one of them that says, hey, I don't want to think about it, but when you fire us, this is, this is how you're going to do it. Totally. And you're agreeing to it because we're, we're sitting at the table together and we agree to it. Yeah, that's good. Well, even down to like, like, I think it's outlawed now, but like the whole, like you had to sign like an NDA or a non-disparaging agreement. Um, like for like when you like left a company in California or that was the the standard or something like, even though like they fired you in the most callous way possible, they're like, well, if you want severance, you know, it, or like, I don't know. I, I mean, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, yeah, it is. It is like, I don't know. The, the one, like I liked introducing the concept in the book of like these two questions is like, what do you like about your job and what do you wish were different? And then like the follow on questions from that, it's like, okay, well, the things that you like about your job, how can you guarantee that they're going to stay that way? And then the things you don't like, well, how would you go about changing them? And I think we don't have a lot of options in terms of instrumenting change at work again, outside of leaving um, at a union, at least as I'm writing about in the book, provides a lot of those options because it's a path to a contract, like actually writing down in plain legalese, like here are the things we're guaranteed, here are the improvements we want in work, here are the changes that we as union members want to see uh, instituted in our workplace. And there's, I don't know, it's it's a simple thing, but I think it's kind of, it's kind of revolutionary at least. So Yeah, so I, to, I don't know, to underscore some of what we talked about so far, even though you're in tech and you have some six-figure salary and there's lots of Twizzlers available and you have a generous, you know, time off package or whatever, it might be papering over the idea that you really still don't have that much power. You still might be fired in in a way that you don't like. There might be things that you don't like about your job. You might be underrepresented and, and paid 80 cents on the dollar to the next person over. You, your your company might take on a contract with ICE or, or whatever, and, and you have nothing. You, you're just like, okay. You know, you have, there's no mechanism in place 
to have any say about that. So you alone could be like, wait, I don't like the organization that rips children away from their family. And they'll be like, so, you know, I don't know. But if all y'all say it, then that's, that's the point of the union, right? Like you, you, you've pre-banded. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Cause you might, you might band together after something bad happens and that's cool. Good. Totally. You know, you, you should. Yeah. But if you've pre-banded, you kind of have, you have power right away. When you need it. Exactly. Yeah, no, I love that. I think that's great. Um, I spoke with somebody who uh, is a union member at the New York Times Tech Guild, and she said something similar. It's like there's usually like for a lot of unions, something bad happens in the workplace that kind of kicks off the organizing, right? Like it's like we need to fix this thing that's not working. But let's say you love your job. You've got a great relationship with your manager. You've got great benefits. A union gives you a mechanism to ensure things stay the way that you like, right? Like that they, you, you can enshrine like all the benefits, the Twizzlers, you know, uh, whatever it is that you and your fellow union members care about, get them in a contract, you know, ensure that they're going to be there year after year. Um, you know, uh, that's that's power in the workplace. And I think that's that's important. Yeah, I think you drew that line very nicely in the book. You're just like you may have a really great setup right now. Manager, chill manager, Doug, you know, but what happens when Doug gets the ax or Doug finds a new job and now you're with Tom, who is a dirtbag, you know? Yeah, totally. (laughs) Totally. You know, I've never thought about until now, embarrassingly and ignorantly, perhaps why aren't, are Doug and Tom not in the union? Like uh, what, who gets to draw the line as who gets in and who gets not in? Yeah, Chris. Oh, that's such a great question. Um, So American labor law is a terrible spider web of bad ideas. <laughs> um, but I you think know, you mean the best. Um, oh yeah, yeah. yeah sorry, sorry, sorry. Because of Bald the freedom. Eagle scream. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> a Camaro just exploded behind me in a very cool way. That's uh, yeah. A lot America. Of Welcome America. to America, Ethan. Yeah. <laughs> Forgot where I was for a minute. Um, yeah. So uh, so basically, like we do have labor protections in this company uh, country, and um, the National Labor Relations Act basically says that. Workers get these certain sets of protections, but p- managers are excluded basically from a lot of the protections in American legal law. So um, labor law. So, yeah, uh, if you are operate in a supervisory role at work, um, unfortunately, you're not allowed to be part of the union. There's a bunch of other sort of exceptions. Um, OK, OK. A lot of other countries don't make that distinction because, you know, there's in, in, in a lot of workplaces, there's not. Managers are actually a lot closer to workers than they are to the folks who run the company. So um, that's yeah, that's what I was thinking. I mean, there might be five levels of manager. Do you take the first two off the bottom, or what? You know, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, I'm with you on that. I, but I no, do you th- take none off the bottom in in the law we have. But no, okay, yeah. all right, yeah. So yeah, exactly. Well, like uh, and you kind of said in your book, like like tech is weird because I can be a tech lead, but what? And I make all the calls on the tech, but that doesn't make me a manager as uh, exactly. Yeah, or you might be a product manager or a project manager. And um, there's been some instances where companies have tried to, you know, fight the union and try to carve people out of the bargaining unit to basically shrink the size of the union. And they go after job titles to say that, okay, well, these folks are managers, so they should be exempt when they're not acting as managers. It's just like, 
text seems to just strap random words together to make job titles sometimes. And, you know, that's uh, that's the thing that happens. So. Interesting. God, I almost it feels like this is even this could just be a whole show. But I wonder what it feels like then to be like to be on the union side and be like, yay, go union. Maybe you're even a part of it. or And then you're offered a role as management. And you're like, well, that's kind of the trajectory. Like, I kind of want that. I want the money. I want maybe I even want the responsibility and all that. And all of a sudden, you're like, you're like, it, it doesn't have to be this way, but I'm sure that it is often that you're kind of pitted against. I, I, I hate to think of it that way because you'd think a really highly functional company, both sides would be like glad that each other exists. You're like, we keep each other in check. Isn't that good? That would be. It's ideal. probably not. It's probably not always that way. It's almost like you're a defector if you take the role. Yeah, yeah, it is hard. <laughs> I mean, I, I did I did speak to some some companies where some of the organizers eventually got promoted up, and I think those were good situations. But there's actually a pretty long history in the U.S. of using promotions as a union busting technique to identify oh. key organizers and be like, "All right, well, here's a promotion, the one that you've been all uh, been waiting for," and immediately wow. just moving them up. Yeah. Yeah, so it's 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 weird. It's weird. Yeah, it's it's weird. We haven't said just because I want to for, for the for the sake of the show. We haven't said the the s word this whole time <laughs> since we've been talking. And it seems like that's probably what's on people's mind a lot, just because of the news and it's a well known thing that that's what unions do. They strike. Probably their biggest hammer, in a way, yeah. for for fixing stuff. I know there's like deliberation, and it would be interesting to talk about other things that a union does. But their biggest tool is they're pissed, so you walk out or or, or whatever. You you go on strike, and we, we've heard about it because aren't the audio auto workers are on strike, and there was the Screen Actors Guild and the writers. How did you time this, Ethan, for like hot union oh, strikes? <laughs> You know, part of me wishes this book didn't feel timely, um, but uh, yeah, it definitely feels like we're in a moment right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I think in a lot of these industries, just things aren't working for people. They're not working for workers. Um, and a strike is something that, you know, Chris, I think you said it really well. Like it's it's the it's the, the heaviest tool in, in a union's tool belt. Um, I don't know what that metaphor is, but let's run with it for a second. Um, but it's, it's one of the most powerful things that a union can do if things aren't going their way. Um, and we've seen strikes in the tech industry as well. I mean, like back in 2018, 20,000 Google workers uh, struck over um, uh, the New York Times expose about three high-level executives at the company basically getting bought off after being accused of you know, various forms of sexual abuse. And they were striking not just because they were angry, but because they were trying to get institutionalized reforms in place, right? Like better protections for workers and contractors. Um, uh, we just saw a strike in uh, at Google, actually, uh, I think last week. A bunch of contractors for YouTube Music uh, have been trying to bring Google to the table. And so basically, like, the way I think about it is, like, a strike's um, not a strategy. It's a tactic. It's like something needs to happen. Something's not happening. This is what a union can do in, in, uh, in recourse. So, um, yeah, we've seen it in Hollywood. We're seeing it with the UAW. Um, and uh, it's, it's a really powerful way for workers to, to get something to happen, uh, you know, to withhold their labor and get uh, concessions made for them. Right. 
I don't imagine it can feel very good and powerful to be like, I don't, you know, like, cause it's not, it's not joking around. I mean, this company literally can't exist if it can't make cars or, or widgets or whatever it is. So like clearly, clearly good, but, but, but talk about polarizing, you know, that's, that's what's so hard about some of this. You can, I feel like you can be out to dinner with somebody where you're like, you're probably like 95% agree on everything. Like, you'd know if they're like, Hey, how's Trump said some smart stuff lately. Like they're not going to say that you already know them well enough that that's not going to happen. But then all of a sudden they'll be like, have you seen what does those, you know, poultry workers want? That's greedy. Or, you know, and you'd be like, holy, sh- really? Wow. We disagree on that one, huh? Yeah. But, but just because of that, the idea of striking is like, the, what you're like, har- I don't know what it is, harming the economy or preventing me from getting chicken nuggets or I don't know what I mean, it is. those with- spoiled Hollywood elite babies. Oh, there it is. And that was that. They, um, that's easy in Hollywood, but it's harder with auto workers. I will concede it is a lot better to have like actual late night hosts rather than the, the <laughs> yeah, yeah I don't know Jen, Jen Pisaki was uh, holding it down but uh, it was it was tough um, a little touch and go there yeah a little, a little tough yeah no it's I mean it strikes a hard thing it's hard for the workers I mean that's the thing it's it's not something that I think unions undertake lightly especially in the US um, and folks in Hollywood, I mean, the writer's strike was 146, 147 days or something like that. Folks basically out of work, out of paychecks, taken to the sidewalks. Um, and then eventually, after 150-ish days, um, managed to get all these producers with 15 yachts, uh, giving them the deal they were asking for in the first place. So No, look at that, no paycheck. And they're the greedy ones? It's always yeah. so strange to me. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It, it really, really literally difficult, too. Because, I mean, you can imagine some people that are like, okay, I, I agree. Solidarity, we're doing this. Striking, I am not going to bust this strike line. You know, like, I, I'm going to do what I said I was going to do. And then be forced up against this moment where you're like, but we literally need to eat food. I mean, there's lots of people in the country that that, that you, you, I'm not willing to die for it. You know, like, I don't know. I, I feel like it's that big of a deal sometimes. Yeah. They're like, yeah. I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go do something else, I guess, because I'm with you, but I, I need to for my family's sake, whatever. Such a great point, Chris. I mean, I wonder sometimes, like a big part of writing the book for me was to kind of like get an opportunity to learn more about labor history in tech and also outside of tech, because I feel like that's one of those things that, at least for me, like I didn't really learn much of growing up. And I think that's that's a pretty common thing in America too. Like there's not a lot of big labor stories in high school, I think. And, uh, you know, I think there's it's it's a real moment that we're in right now. Um, you know, looking at the Hollywood strikes, like there's this assumption that like, oh, Brad Pitt and I don't know, J.J. Abrams are on the sidewalk, you know, demanding an extra zero after their big paychecks. But um, you know, some 86 percent of those folks make less than thirty thousand dollars a year. It's it's like, wow, they're holding down uh, second and third jobs just to stay in the industry and to, to have health care. Um, mm-hmm. And uh you know, it's, it's, yeah, there's a lot of work to be done. So is it, I mean, is it always this way? I mean, it, it feels like it. I mean, you, in the book, there's, you know, stories of a hundred years ago and we're up to now and I'm probably predates that even. Is it like this, is it just this human nature, like power corrupts absolutely kind of, kind of, kind of thing or that just, there just has to be yin and yang forever? And Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. I mean, I talk a lot about AI in the last chapter, which is like, um, you know, we don't have to go down that road too much, but it's like, I want to be excited about that technology. But from a labor standpoint, it's, it's, it's really troubling. And I think like, 
I would love to live in a society where I can kind of be more excited about that stuff and have fewer reservations about that technology. But at the same time, it does terrible things to workers. So I, I do think that there needs to be that negotiation between where we want things to be and where things are right now and trying to understand how we fight to get things to a better place. And and, and frankly, unions are, are where that fight needs to happen. Let's talk about that more, mostly page 115, uh, where you cite... <laughs> Tell me more about... A wonderful blog post by a talented <laughs> individual. It's me. <laughs> it's uh, my blog post. Uh, but I was just... I was uh, talking about my experience with Copilot and how it sort of shifted my posture from like, I am now... I'm like reading code or what, or I, it shifted my posture from writing code to observing or, or reviewing code. Um, and you call this de-skilling. Mm -hmm. That's the technical term. And I'm, I'm just curious. De-skilling? De-skilling. And I, I'm curious what that entails. Why is it bad? Like, cause I, I can also like uh, another voice in my head is like, get wrecked, son. Like <laughs> your cheese moved, go figure it out. You know, like, like, you old, go figure it out. You know, React is cool now. You know, like what? What is the? I don't know. What? What's the problem with descaling? Yeah, I'm. I'm glad you asked that, Dave. It's um. So so when we think about like automation and uh, taking away jobs, we tend to think of it as like an overnight process, right? Like, oh, the the machines are going to show up, and then all of a sudden we're going to yeah, a bunch of us aren't going to have places to sit at work anymore because you know they're going to be taken over by Copilot or Dolly or Midjourney or whatever, but. The process throughout history, it's always much slower than that. And it starts with this process of de-skilling. When automation technology gets introduced to a workplace or to a workforce, it basically cheapens the value of human labor. Um, so like the Hollywood examples, a good one, um, where screenwriters were basically concerned about, rightly, that um, things like ChatGPT or other text-based LLM software packages would be used to provide script treatments or first drafts of stories. And so that would shift the value of their work from providing that upfront creative work to maybe doing AI cleanup tasks, probably for a much lower rate. So that's basically, that's how human workers get shifted out of a workforce. It's a, it's a very gradual process. And, you know, I think that's, that's one of the things that most concerns me about uh, LLM tech is, uh, is, it is, you know, actually impacting human workers. We're seeing it in newsrooms. Um, we're seeing it in creative industries. And, um, anyway, the, that's one of the reasons that both the WGA and the SA and the SAG in Hollywood are striking. They want protections for workers to ensure that they're not going to be displaced or devalued if the software does get used more in the workplace. Um, I would love to see that in the tech industry as well. Like having a conversation about like, what protections do we need to, as workers if we're gonna be relying on this technology in the future? Um, so yeah, does that make uh, sense? Yeah, no, like, I, you know, my, my brain kind of immediately goes to like the auto industry in the eighties, right? Like, sure. Boom, strong unions in Detroit, man, we're America made, you know? And then Japanese, very, uh, I guess, cheap, inexpensive cars, uh, very heavy automation. Like they came and kind of ate the lunch of, of the West, you know? Um, and so like what, to me, that seems like maybe a failure to automate a failure to embrace the new. So yeah. it was, I don't know if that was explicitly the fault of the unions, but I could imagine there was like, 
a lot of robot robots ain't going to take my job sentiment, you know, but is it a two way street or, or like where does failure to uh, evolve fit in to the system? Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a big topic. That's probably outside my like area of expertise. Cause that gets into like, you know, free trade agreements and international shipping stuff, you know? No, that's yeah. actually a great point. Yeah. I mean, it's like at the same time there was like, Oh, surprise. We can just make these in Mexico, you know, or whatever. Yeah. So. Well, I think, I think you're right. I think it's a both and sort of situation. Um, you know, there's this, this story that I tell at the end of the book about, um, dock workers, um, in the eighties, uh, who were represented by this, uh, this really powerful union on the West coast, uh, the ILWU. And they were kind of facing this, um, this pressure from the industry to adopt what's called containerization, which is basically just automated shipping processes. So they were worried about losing jobs to machines. Um, but they were also dealing with the fact that, um, international markets like in Canada and Mexico were already adopting this technology. So it's like, are they going to be losing out on work coming into the States if they push back on adopting this tech. So it's like a damned if you do, damned if you don't sort of situation. So I think their approach was brilliant because they they found this third path, which was basically to say, we're gonna fight for a contract that ensures workers are gonna get paid regardless of whether or not they work. You know, So if jobs are actually affected or displaced by automation tech, um, there are protections for workers that they can profit off the technology, even if it's gonna impact their livelihood especially if it's going to impact their livelihood. So I don't know. I, I, there's a long history of unions looking at what workers need throughout American history. And I think th- throughout most countries' history and trying to actually address that concern of like, how can we enshrine some protections in a contract for automation or, you know, better salary, better benefits, better working conditions, what have you. Um, yeah. And so I think it's, I think it could be really valuable right now where we are in this moment. But I'm drawing parallels to my family actually, because uh, I I tell my kids like, Hey, if you guys fought for the same thing, you'd accomplish more. Like, like, cause they're like, you know, I want burgers. I want Panda Express. You know, it's like, we're making quesadillas at home kids. (laughs) I'm just, that's right. If you guys can't get together, like we have less fun. Cause you guys are just fighting anyway. So I, 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 I'm almost encouraging them to unionize. You thought about kids unions? That's it. I don't know. I just, but it's just like, Hey, like, like you would accomplish more if you fought for the same thing rather than fight. Wow. That's amazing. Fight fight each other. Um, or whatever, fight your parents single-handedly. Collective action in the Rupert household. I love it. I know. And then I think about technology, introducing technology. My, my wife and I are, uh, unionized against like any kind of Alexa or, uh, you know, smart speaker in our house, you know, cause we don't want that thing, you know, listening to us. But if the kids, you know, we're like, we really want it. And, you know, I don't know, like then then they would have more collective bargaining. So I guess there's sort of like, I don't know if they want to bring this into the workforce or the household or whatever they, they could, uh, through, um, anyway, it's just interesting. No, that's a great point. I mean, and I kind of, you know, just to bring it back to the writer's guild, for example, like they're not looking to ban AI. They're just looking to regulate it effectively through a union contract. So, uh, writers can use uh, chat GPT or a similar tech in the writing process if they've got permission from the studio to do so, but they didn't want 
studio is basically hiring out their work in, you know, some sort of like, you know, harmful way. Um, so there, there's protections in place. Yeah. Cause that, like it could just be whatever, some bad idea factory that then just sends piecemeal work over. Right. Rather than like, so that one came to a strike in order to get them to agree to that thing. But it, it doesn't always have to do that. Right. You can be like, Oh, AI is becoming a thing. Can we all sit down at a table and, yeah. Right. Like that's like a cool, that's like a better, better way to have go down. Hopefully if. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the thing. It's like, um, like Kickstarter, you know, I mentioned before, like they've got a union. They're the first like modern tech company to get a, uh, an actual contract in place, which they put online, which I think is amazing. Like, you know, for folks who are thinking about unionizing and thinking about what a contract could be, they put theirs basically online for anybody to look at and get ideas from. Um, it does seem huge, right? Because you, 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 otherwise, what are you doing? You're just going to, I don't know, you, you, you kind of just sit around and brainstorm it. You're like, I don't, I mean, that's useful. Yeah. yeah. But that's not as useful as like, here's one that was actually thought about by some smart people. Yeah. And, and that worked too, crucially. Totally. totally. Right. And I think, I mean, I think it's it's both of those things, right? Like, I think there needs to be that opportunity to like dream about what could be different about our work. Like, you know, we want better health benefits. Hey, uh, can we get a pension? Like, you know, or, 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 you know, better reproductive health services. I mean, it's like, you should, you should open yourself up to like shoot for the moon about like what could possibly, what could be possible at work. But yeah, I mean, like, absolutely. See what's out there, see what happens, see what works and, uh, and, and aim for that too. I just think it's interesting to think about, you know, people are thinking about unions for the first time that it's not just this it's a group of people and they strike that's what they do you know like there's other stuff you know like it's a little more no more to it than that this it came up on the on the freakonomics podcast you know the nfl workers are unionized i didn't that's new to me but if you're in i think that's relatively new yeah yeah right on even sports guys do unions yeah yeah and they were—they weren't talking about a strike. They were talking about the, uh, they hired somebody or somebody works at the NFL union who conducted a like workplace survey in the NFL, and it was, just, it was very interesting. It was just like, uh, you know, how are what's like travel like for the families of the players and stuff like that, and like how are the showers, you know? And they it uncovered all kinds of interesting crap, you know, like oh, it's you know, it's from Florida team, it's terrible, and the but the Chiefs is amazing, you know, like and they, and they raised it and then publicized it and you know it, it, with the with the idea that you know you could i don't know it's it's almost like a shame tactic or at least that's what they said on the show and I, or like make the owners of the teams appeal to their competitive nature and and fix their crap or whatever but more like if you're an incoming player in the nfl you can now look at this and be like yeah but it sucks down there why would i why would i go there you know you know you know Maybe they don't care. Maybe it's a, just uh, maybe it's money only kind of thing. But I think that was cool that the union did it. It was like they took union fees and and planning and all that stuff, and they're who got that done. And would that have gotten done any other way? Maybe not. You know, that's great. I love that. I love that. Uh, it reminds me of a story I heard from the the New York Times Tech Guild, where they basically did something that that anybody can do. You don't have to be a union to do this, but like. They just started a spreadsheet where everyone put in their their salary information and titles and departments, and that that just like go. it's a it's a way for folks to see like am I am I adequately compensated? And um, mm. you know, uh, it was it was it was useful for them for two reasons. One is to like again give you give workers that kind of visibility into how salaries were structured at the company, but also kind of like reinforce like how the union could help. Right? Let's like we're gonna do, we're gonna use this information to close up these gaps 
at the bargaining table. So anyway, I love that NFL story. I'm going to have to have to track that down. That's very cool. Yeah, because I, I, I always thought unions were, were like, Hey, give me, you got the money, give me the money, you know, like, like, <laughs> like sort of like a mafia shakedown or else I'm not going to work, you know, but, um, I, I like this, uh, I don't know. I like this idea of like, you know, I, especially nowadays with like wealth income disparities and stuff like that, like very well documented, but, um, it's not just like, Hey, I want the money, but it's like, I need this standard of living, you know, and then like your workforce can dream like, you know, I think about the re- come back to work thing, you know, and, and a lot of workers are just like, no, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, wouldn't it be cool if you had an official way to say no, rather than like an individual, you know, arm twisting, you know, uh, but your whole union or your whole workforce was just like, well, we will do two days at work for sure. Or what in, in office or some hybrid situation or doesn't it seem like you have no, literally no What's so funny about it is you have, you have almost absolutely none power alone. It's that dramatic. It's like from none to some or from none to a lot in a totally. lot of cases. Totally. That's wild. And to, and to just be sitting there with none feels like the most striking thing to me about thinking about this is that if you don't do this, you, your, your, your power level is zero, basically. So I mean, maybe that's part of the the title. You deserve a tech union. Yeah, you should deserve more than zero power. Uh, that's that's. Man, Chris, that's that's beautiful. I mean, because, yeah, I think you should have a say in how you work. Um, you know, you deserve uh, you deserve a vision of work that's going to, like, compensate you adequately, give you good benefits, definitely. But, like, um, you should also have a say in determining, like, uh, how your work is structured and how it treats you. And uh, that's that's definitely what a union provides. I think it's that it's that math equation again. Get all the kids asking for Panda Express. I had another image that burned into my mind years ago when it, uh, before I, not that I know anything about it now, but you know, I wasn't thinking about unions at the time, but I remember how ridiculous it seemed. So it burned into my head and it was what, uh, it was about Delta unionizing, you know, the, the, the flight company that we all know and love airline industry stuff. They made a poster that said union dues cost around $700 a year and then had like a clip art of a, a game pad controller, like a PlayStation controller. And then it said Delta don't risk it or something at the bottom. Cause they were, they were, they're, which makes wow. Number one, like let's treat everybody that works here. Are you like a baby child? Do you, do you have a little budget for your money? <laughs> like, I don't know. It just feels like really condescending <laughs> and <laughs> workplace empowerment or xbox yeah and like if that worked, oh, I just feel that just feels so shady and clearly was not, you know, like who did that? Probably some union brusting firm was like, have you thought about posters? You can, yeah. can try that. Uh, I don't know how that panned out, but like, oh my gosh. And, and to, only, to think yeah, that's just always how it goes. It's just, the, you know, the people, the, the people in power, they don't want the unions, the people that down lower do. And it, that's what feels like this like eternal yin yang to me. Like, why, man, that's just sucks that it just always has to be this way. Yeah. Apparently. Yeah, it does. It does. Um, yeah. Yeah. It wasn't until I started working on the book that I learned like just how, big the union busting industry actually is like these are massive law firms that get paid really well yeah it's it's a huge it's a big 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 business i mean um how would it feel to get unjustly fired from a union busting firm (laughs) 
Yeah. That's got to oh, sting. Man. <laughs> they got to be like, well, that's, that's, that's how it is. Gosh, no, just, just, <laughs> well, it's my fault. <laughs> I, that's my problem. Oh, that monkey's paw just curled shut. That's weird. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, I'm going to be untangling that mind twi- twister for a while today. That's uh, That's huge. <laughs> I mean, I think that's like the, like, biggest, like, I, I don't know, vote of confidence for like organizing is the fact that it is very powerful people with way too much money. Bezos comes to mind, you know, or, or Starbucks or Google or, you know, are, are like pushing against the idea so hard, you know, and, and like, what do they think? Cause they, nobody th- thinks is like, they don't go to bed being like, how can I be more greedy? You know, it's just not how people, it might be how they act and how we think of them, but nobody actually thinks that, right? Everybody famously thinks they're a good person. So they do, are they thinking like, they don't, those dummies, they don't know what they need. I at the top am so smart. I do think about how good of a life they could be. They just need to trust me more. Or something, right? I, I can't imagine. I just don't understand what they think to themselves when they're like, "We sh- we're going to print those posters up. How about a million? You know, yeah. I don't know. yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think uh, I think you could have some good conversations with the folks who decide to hire those firms. Um, You're right. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. It's. Uh, I, I do think it comes down to power at one point, like, you know, being able to maintain that single say over how the company works, how it functions, how the companies, how the employees are treated. It's um, that, maybe that's it, right? Like if the, this, this could be the downfall for all of us. If, if this goes through, you know, they've convinced themselves that, yeah, that's got to be. I, I mean, there was a popular, um, uh, project management software that fired a bunch of people because <laughs> they said, we want no politics at work, you know? And, um, you know, and people are like, uh, that was kind of my favorite part. So I guess I'm, I'm out of a job, you know? Um, anyway, I just, yeah, I, I, I wonder if it's those sort of things. Like I, I don't want my employees to unionize because then I won't have that control over the labor force or price arbitrage for employees. That's or, a good one. I remember that. That was like a base camp or whatever, right? And then and then did they Yeah, yeah. Could a union have said certainly they could be mad about it and deal with it after the fact, but maybe could you see that coming before it? Could, would that in a like perhaps a good comprehensive union have already written in there like you don't get to tell us what we can talk about in Slack. Like is that already in the Yeah. the bylaws maybe? Right, right. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think like Man, that that whole situation was just sad, frankly, Um, Mm. you know, because it was kicked off by uncovering this old list of, quote unquote, funny names that, you know, folks had been maintaining inside the company for years. And employers are like, hey, let's let's maybe not keep a list of really racist stuff around. Like, should we be treating our customers and ourselves better? And um, yeah, leadership's response was basically like to cut out of like 360 uh, reviews internally and, you know, banning politics at work. And I mean, yeah, I think a, a union can address some of that stuff. Like um, if the 360 reviews were valuable, like putting those in a contract and making sure that they're part of the process. Um, but oh. uh, yeah. Is three, does that mean you review the managers? Do I have that right? That's what a 360 you do have is. That right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Even like a, just a single point of bargaining. Cause that's another part of it too, is, is you're like yielding, right? you're 
I guess your say to a representative say sort of like a almost like a representative democracy. Kind yeah. of. I mean, it depends like this and this, you know, this is something that like folks have written a lot about much more than I do. So I've got some limits to my knowledge here, but um, there's different ways you can sort of structure negotiations. One is sort of closed room where you've got uh, you know, union representative, but also some people from your union sitting at the table. That's that's part of your bargaining committee. And they're sitting across from, you know, the company's representatives and, you know, you're kind of hashing it, hashing out the contract. But anybody who's not part of those sessions isn't allowed to participate. Um, there's been a push in labor circles in more recent years for open bargaining sessions where you still have that kind of structure at the table itself, but anybody can watch. So, you know, you can sit in on the sessions either virtually or in person and just as a, as a passive observer, see how both sides are uh, participating. I've heard time and again from the folks that I've spoken with working on the book that open bargaining sessions are one of the best ways to keep a union engaged because they get to see when uh, your employer fights against, um, uh, I don't know, like an extra week of paid leave, you know, and they really go to the mat for making sure that's not an option for workers. Everybody's going to see that happen. And that's going to really make sure that folks understand that uh, the union's fighting for them and that the company's not. So, um, sort of a room where it happened scenario, you yeah. know, like a yeah. just yeah. no secrets. I yeah, like exactly. Exactly. So, in the news recently, yeah, was it this week, last week, Band Camp? They did a union. It sounds like they did a union after they were sold once. Like they went to Epic Games for some reason, which does seem like a weird fit. Right. Probably didn't love it. Most of the people that worked there, that's the impression that we got. And then they're like, you know what? Let's fix it and and, and unionize. They also have a nice looking landing page. <laughs> yeah, they do. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Good for them. It's nice green palette. Good fonts. And then... Um, and then they, and then they got sold again. Yeah. So that they got, so, uh, so I guess that's one thing you probably don't have control of a union. It's like, you can't control whether your company sells you or not, not you, but the, the company itself selling itself to, to a new company. It probably did, did affect things in a way because the buying companies like, Hey, by the way, our employees are unionized. You know, that probably c comes up at mm -hmm. least. And if yeah. they, you know, you'd, you'd think that the new company wouldn't care or would consider it a good thing, but they probably don't just the nature of things, but it happened anyway. Mm -hmm. So that's almost like a cool thing to know that like, and it happened to glitch too, right? They had glitch had a union and then they got bought it, you know, it happens, but it doesn't mean that because you've unionized that you, you it's like screwing your future self somehow because sometimes companies are tech companies especially are looking for an exit and it's good when the when the acquisition happens because it's like good for everybody's stock and all that crap so you could convince yourself in your brain, oh, wouldn't that be, I'm not going to unionize because it'll make a company less likely to buy us and less likely for a good financial outcome for me and all these other people that work with me. So I could see that thought process anyway. But here's two examples, two notable examples that just happened and it was fine. So yeah. there you go. Yeah. 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 The Bandcamp thing is super new. I'm, I'm curious to see how that, that plays out because they were, yeah, like you said, they were, they were recognized as a union and hadn't, but hadn't started bargaining yet before they were bought. So it's, they're kind of in a, Ooh, in a bit yeah. of a gray zone. Oh, yeah. I didn't realize that they were mid conversation. Yeah. Yeah. But, but you're right. I mean, it's like, I don't know when folks say that unions are going to scare off investors or scare off potential acquisition partners, it's, um, that's not necessarily true. Um, and usually that's a tactic to kind of scare folks off the idea of unionizing. So, or was a Neil Dash like, 
oh no, they're you know, that guy like boom boom sell out. <laughs> no, I'm yeah. just uh well, I mean Anil, like I mean Matt, like Glitch did a really powerful thing just recognizing the union. Like just immediately like, yep, this is what our employees want and we're gonna do it. And I think that's you know, if you care about your employees as a leadership, uh, as a leader of a company, there's only one response, and that's just to kind of recognize the union when they come to yeah. you. Yeah, he's um, such an unusual leader. He probably helped. What do yeah. you think? You yeah. Know. yeah, yeah, yeah. Seems maybe it was his idea. <laughs> well, and it's like your boss is like, "Hey, we're a family." It's like, "Yeah, cool. Put it on paper. <laughs> right. <laughs> get, get a marriage contract. You know, like uh, whatever. That's right. You know? That's right. That's right." Yeah. So, I mean, arguments against it, I don't know. I mean, you you, you must deal with that pr- probably because it's so, I mean, you've written a political book now, so I wouldn't want to be Ethan's inbox, you know. Oh, I bet Twitter's cool about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Everything's fine over there. Everything's it's, normal. Yeah, it's yeah. a good one. It's a good one. Unless you don't consider it political. I mean, people would. And yeah. I, I, w- I would assume that you're down with that distinction, right? Or, or would you hope that it's not? I hope that it's not. I mean, like, I, I kind of wanted to write about it to make it feel like a normal thing. That's an option to people. Like, I think, I think, I think seeing it as a radical concept is, um, you know, part of how we've been taught to think about unions. I think um, that it's something that doesn't belong in tech. And, you know, folks are showing us today that t- unions are an option and they've formed unions. Some of them have won contracts. This is the thing that anybody can do. And, um, you know, I think that that's, that's what's most exciting to me about this book. Like, I want to make this something that anybody feels is an option to them. Um, and then they get started on the process. So I do, I, I do have questions like, like downsides or whatever, right? Like not all unions are necessarily great, you know, like, I mean, maybe like the auto worker union failing to adapt to technological change or, um, Police famously have <laughs> strong unions, um, and that can be very mixed in certain cities. You know, I, I think about like, do, do you ever see the documentary "Waiting for Superman" about the like New York education system? No, uh, no. like New York City, but it, it's just basically like the New York City uh, is in shambles. Like the the public school system is in shambles, and this was like early two thousands or so. Um, and then, you know, sort of like chartery schools, like, uh, Harlem school for, uh, I forget the name, but like KIPP schools and stuff like that started coming in and, and offering alternative education paths and like, uh, sort of disrupted that system. But then they tell this whole side story about like all these public school teachers who are being paid to sit in some building in the Bronx or wherever. Uh, and they're like on probation because they are, they either like punched a kid or like, you know, sexually assaulted children. And they're just, you know, but it's like this like idea that the union is protecting them and stuff like that. Or, or like you can't just immediately fire this person because of reasons, quote unquote, you know? And so, I mean, is that like, are, are there situations where it goes bad? You know, is, is this? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, or ask for I, too much. I don't know. You know, like, I mean, there's a, there's a whole separate discussion about whether or not police are workers uh, that we can get into off <laughs> when we're done recording. <laughs> um, but I think like, for me, at least it comes back down to this idea that unions are ultimately institutions that are made up of humans. 
right? Humans are not perfect. They're far from it. And you can definitely find examples in labor history of unions that are racist, xenophobic, um, that are corrupt. Absolutely. But if that is your entire picture of unions, then I think it's worth actually spending some more time on the topic because you can absolutely find examples of unions that are fighting for better contracts, for better pay, for safer working environments. Um, and, um, you know, the UAW, for example, they had this new reform leadership that just got voted in and they're immediately like fighting for stronger contracts in a way that they haven't for at least a decade. Um, and that's primarily because they were voted in by the union's membership. Like the union wasn't working for them, so they instituted something better. Um, that democratic governance that's at the heart of creating a union is incredibly powerful. And there's this line in labor circles that if your union's not working for you, take it over. Um, and I think that that's, that, that for me, at least that that's a real, that's kind of badass. Yeah. Yeah. It's, there's a real promise of do it again. Better. Exactly. Exactly. Um, you know, which is not to say that's easy work, but I think it's important to recognize that that, that democratic engine at the idea of creating a union at work, um, is, uh, it's really powerful. And I think it's worth investing in. It does have that whiff of like, it's, it's probably more good than bad almost all the time but then it's really easy to like point at one and be like see though they're bad sometimes i mean maybe that's me i don't know that's fair but that's what i was going to bring up about my dad to remember at the beginning i was like i don't want to get into that it's like occasionally he'd have to protect a guy's job who like was out drinking the night before and drove a snowplow into the side of a building or something (laughs) maybe not that bad but he'd be like i have to i I literally have to wake up today go in and and fight for this guy's job Because yeah. that's what the unions do. And yeah. like that sucks to that day because that was not good that that guy mm-hmm. did that. And they just immediately fired him, which I feel like most people on earth would be like, yeah, you fire the drunk plow guy. That's not good. <laughs> but he was a union member and there are things you just do, you know, so you just have to do it. And uh, I think he got, got to keep his job. I mean, maybe he turned it around. Maybe he didn't. But I mean, dude, that's why he's well, in that, the union. I, that's yeah, that's like mix, right? It's like. Yeah, you fire this drug snowplow guy like very quickly. But then, like, I'm also like, you know, I mean, like, yeah, all of us are probably going to biff hard at work at some point in yeah. our lives, yeah, and, or off the job too. You know, that doesn't necessarily mean like we should just be instantly thrown, you know, yeah. from the which is what we have right now, right? Like at will employment is, uh, I mean, it's there's it's kind of a scary environment to be working in, and. uh I think we're going to go through a learning process in this industry as we get more contracts in place. We're going to see what's working and what isn't and hopefully get a model in place for a lot of a lot of workplaces that is going to make work a little bit more survivable and sustainable for people. But, you know, uh, it's it's early days yet. And I'm, I'm excited about what's coming. Yeah, I hope so. Hope we're waiting for your sake for all those emails to roll in and be like, we bought Ethan's book. <laughs> We bought it for the whole team. Now we have a union. Have you got one yet? I mean, not to, but are people at least thinking about it? Or, or have you gotten a full blown union out of this thing yet? And what's their names and emails and companies that they work <laughs> on? I forgot we had the CEO of Rupert Co. on the line. That's my bad. Mm, yes. <laughs> yeah, I hope, I hope this makes conversations easier for people. Um, I, uh, like when I think about success for this book, it's, yeah, 
yeah, it's uh, it's helping with organizing conversations and making it more accessible to people. So, well, I, and I that's probably a great place to end. Uh, I mean, I would say like reading the book, it, it's you know, it's got you deserve a tech union on the cover. So it's very much about unions, but I feel like it's also a really good book about just the state of labor. And, you know, especially if you're American, like what are your options? But in other countries, you're probably going to have some sort of similar ability, but uh, I feel like it's just sort of like a, here's the state of tech labor, lots of weird layoffs, lots of sudden things, lots of this, you know, like uh, I feel like it's a, good general purpose book and just in the same way Laura Hogan's book was uh, good for people who aren't managers. So you could know how to be managed, you know, like, I don't know. Uh, I, I think that's, uh, it's a really good book. So Ethan, for people who aren't following you and giving you money, how can they do that? <laughs> uh, they can follow me on my website, ethanmarcott.com. And uh, I've got some social links on there, but uh, that's the best place to find me online. So wonderful. All right. Well, thank you, Ethan, very much. And thank you, dear listener, for downloading this in your podcatcher choice. Be sure to start heart favorite up. That's how people find out about the show. Follow us on, I'm going to choose Mastodon today. Uh, and then uh, join us. Uh, Twitter's getting real dark, man. Anyway, they took away titles and uh, on the previous. Anyway, why did they do? I saw anyway, that yeah. today. That one's What's weird. Going like, on? No more links What's going on. Uh, anyway, uh, needs a union. Um, I'm sure they ran then... <laughs> it past a bunch of accessibility experts first day. Oh, I'm sure that yeah, was their sure. first part. Oh of yeah. Call. There's a little transparent text over it that says the URL, <laughs> the domain name, TLD Neat. plus one. Is anyone else your circus music? Yeah. 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 Uh, anyway. And then uh, if you want to really support the show, you know, head over to patreon.com slash shop talk show and join the discord because that's where actually all the fun is happening so chris you got anything else you'd like to say what, what i really want is for like you know some people like like to protect themselves from their cells like they hide their wallet if they're going to go out drinking or something because the, they're worried they're going to like buy a golden girl's box set or something off ebay you know they're like oh, i'm so dumb i'm so but to have like a corporate guy do it for his greed like he's like man i'm such a greedy piece of crap, you know, that like, that they're like, I'm going to encourage my employees to have a union just to like stop themselves from being <laughs> so horrible. That would be cool. Check and balance. Anyway, Shopdocshow.com. <laughs> yeah. We didn't even get into like, do Luro and CodePen need a union? Should, no, but I'd, I'll, that's fine. Do you do it up? Reagan and I radicalize against Trent? I mean, is that <laughs> <laughs> Hot drama at Leroux Element. 